Gospel of Luke chapter 10 verses 25 till 37 very famous story as pastor Jos was talking to children about the parable of the good samaritan and behold a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying teacher what shall i do to inherit inherit eternal life he said to him what is written in the law how do you read it and he answered you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself and he said to him you have answered correctly do this and you will live but he desiring to justify himself said to jesus and who is my neighbor jesus replied a man was going down from jerusalem to jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side so likewise a levite when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side but a samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was and when he saw him he had compassion he went to him and bound up his wounds pouring on oil and wine then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him and the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying take care of him and whatever more you spend i will repay you when i come back which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers he said the one who showed him mercy and jesus said to him you go and do likewise this is the word of god dear brother dear sister dear friend we all know how it feels when we feel stressed i think some feel this more than others but i think no one can say he never experiences at least some stress now where does that come from what is the root what is the origin of our stressed feelings and of our anxiety probably it's an awareness that we we won't make it or we have not made it we were not good enough we should put more efforts and then even still maybe it will not be enough concerning something that is very important for us something that has authority for us now again i don't think any one of us uh, can say i never have these feelings though some feel it much more often than others but i think we all know it 
Now concerning stress, um, there is also something like religious stress. So I suppose we come to church because we long for rest and joy and peace. But let's be honest towards God. Do you feel rest at rest? And well, today we read one of the most famous and most well-known passages of the Bible. After hearing it, well, do we feel rest? I think though this is one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible, its meaning and its message is often overlooked. I must be very honest that I also overlooked it many times. So my very first sermon for theological students was about this passage. Last week, I took it and read it, and I thought, okay, you, it was a nice try, <laughs> but you missed the point, Pastor Jos, you missed the point. And last week, I, 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 I dived into this passage, I tried to see it within the whole of Luke's gospel. That's one of the things I learned later on, that you should not isolate passages from, their, from, the, from the whole book. And I was surprised by what I found. And it's my deep longing that I can share it in such a way with you that you will also see it. And, 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 and I promise you, if you see it, yeah, it's shocking and, and it will give you rest. Now, if you have a quick look at this passage, of course, what, 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 what does it seem to say? Uh, so you assume, okay, Pastor will preach. He will say, yeah, um, at times, there is someone in need. We, we, we see, see some, someone in need. But, oh yeah, we are inclined to look the other way. Not always uh, are we obedient. We should be the good Samaritan, shouldn't we? And, and have mercy and help. Uh, yeah, so, so, so Pastor Jos, you might assume, will encourage you today. Uh, come on, you are already a bit kind. You know the Lord Jesus and his kindness. But, yeah, we, we could do more, couldn't we? Now, maybe if that would be the message, you would go home and think, okay, I may do my best here as well as I do my best for my studies or for my job. I should also do my religious best to feel some rest, for it's not, I'm aware it's not enough now. That, that seems to be what this passage is all about, but I think it's completely not what it is about. And... It's not about what I think, but let us together look at the passage and try to find out what Dr. Luke wants to show us. That's the purpose of this sermon, and if we see it, we will be, I trust, amazed. Now, in order to find out what is this message, uh, I think we should do this in three steps. There are three things that ask our attention. First, the passage begins with the mentioning of the lawyer. So we should begin there. We should look at this man. Who is this lawyer? What questions does he ask? And 
what are the aims, what are his purposes in asking these questions. Dr. Luke mentions these, uh, these purposes, these aims. So it's not what I think, but it is what Dr. Luke already tells us. So first, let us look at the lawyer, his questions, his aims. Who is he? And then we will see that the Lord Jesus also asks questions to this lawyer. So who is the Lord Jesus? What are the questions Jesus asks? And what are the aims of Jesus in asking these questions? And that, if we see that, will bring us to the most important question, namely, what does Dr. Luke, led by the Holy Spirit, aim for when we hear this passage, when Theophilus heard this passage, when we hear this passage, what does God tell us through this passage? Well, and then it will be time to end up the service, the, 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 the sermon. So to start with that lawyer. Now, if you have isolated this passage, as I often did, let's look for a passage. It's a special Sunday. Well, let's, look, let's read the story about the Good Samaritan to encourage people to be good. Well, then you won't see it. But if you read the book, then you have already seen the lawyer several times. The lawyers, a group of people who were uh, familiar with the word of God. So today we would say he's a pastor or he is a priest. He's well-known, familiar with the word of God. And what did we learn about these lawyers? Well, in the beginning of Luke's gospel, we heard about John the Baptist. John the Baptist preaching, repent, ask for forgiveness, be baptized, turn to God, and, 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 and the kingdom of God is coming. Those, those kind of words he was telling the people, in that way he was preaching. Now, these lawyers normally would teach you the word of God. So you would come to the lawyer. You would think these are big words for me. So you would look to the lawyer to help you to make it practical for you. Because these big words, what do they mean in your daily life? How can you make it um, applicable to your own life? That, that, that is what the lawyer would say. He would say, well, this means this or that or that. That is what you should do. And then you can feel that you have peace with God. So then your stress will be gone. You can have peace. You may rely uh, on God that he is fine with you. That is what the lawyer would do. But when John the Baptist came and preached, he said, well, the kingdom of God is near and you're not ready for it. So even though you tried... Um, You've not really understood what the law requires from you. You've lowered the bar. You've, you've made it doable. But that's not what the law requires. So you're not ready for it. And the Lord is coming to judge. The Lord's king is coming to judge. But I have good news. Repent. So bow your head. Say, oh Lord, have mercy on me. Please, I need your forgiveness. Otherwise, I will die forever through your judgment. So be baptized, repent, and then the good news is God is willing to forgive. God is willing to baptize with the Holy Spirit, to give newness of life, forgiveness. He is a gracious God, so come, repent. That was the message of John, and later on also of Jesus. Now when John began to preach that way, people went, perhaps from the lawyer, they would say, well, this... This day we won't go to the lawyer. This day we go to John, to listen to John. 
And that they would stand and, 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 yeah, they admitted it was true what John said. They, they, they were aware that God, God was speaking to them and telling them, you are not ready. You don't meet the requirements of my law. So, yes, they would ask for forgiveness, be baptized, and so on. Many would do that, especially some who were really aware that they were far away from God. So tax collectors, for instance, when they were young, may have hated the religious stress from the lawyers. They heard them preach. They thought, I can never make it. Or perhaps they doubted, does there exist a God? Or, so, so they thought, I won't, I won't have those heavens. I won't have that eternal life. So let's have my eternal life now. Let's forget about God. But when John began to preach, they were awakened. They thought, maybe he's right. He is right. So I'd better take care. So tax collectors and other sinners repented, were baptized. But this is the point. Now we learn to know the lawyer. The lawyers wouldn't come to ask God for forgiveness, to be baptized, to repent. No, they were so familiar with God's word. They knew it. They did it. They didn't need that. They didn't need to be in the company of those sinners. They could rely that God was fine with them. That is how we learn to know the lawyers. And now in our passage, pay attention how it begins. If you miss this, you miss the whole message. The passage begins with a lawyer coming to Jesus, not in the way other people came to Jesus. So oftentimes in the gospel you read, people come to Jesus desperate with their need. For instance, my child is ill, or demon-possessed, or I have a disease, or I don't know how to go on, I have sinned, and so on. People would come to Jesus in their need, and Jesus would help, be merciful. But this man, how does he come to Jesus? We read it in in verse 25, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test. Yeah, that is how he comes. So the lawyer has some stress from Jesus and had some stress from John the Baptist. Does he think, I'm not good enough? Why do the people go after, after John and after Jesus? They were stressed and even irritated with, with Jesus. And there was something in them, you read it in previous passages, that they wanted to get rid of Jesus. And this goes on and on throughout Luke's gospel. So why does this lawyer come to Jesus? Well, he wants to put him to the test. By the way, another time that put Jesus to the test is mentioned is in chapter 4, where the devil puts Jesus to the test. In the desert, he wants to make Jesus fall. And in a similar way, this lawyer comes not because he has a problem, but because he wants Jesus to say something wrong that they can accuse him, that he is a heretic, and that they, well, that they can beat him, take his clothes off him, that they finally can, can kill him. These are the intentions of the lawyer. 
And the basic problem of the lawyer, so we see he's a wicked man, but let's be honest, something of this lawyer is in our own hearts. Why? Well, is there any one of us who likes it to hear, you are not good, you have not done well, and if you go on this way, you fail? We don't want to hear that. We, we, we do want to hear that we are good people, that we are pious people, that, that, that God is fine with us. That's what we want to hear. So something of this lawyer is in us as well. And something of the message, we are sinners, you're not well enough for God, irritates us as well. Let us be aware of that. So now we have learned to know this lawyer a bit better. Let's look at his question. Though he is not a very good man, his question is very good. His question is excellent. He says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now that's a good question. That's a question you and I should pay attention to as well. What should I do to inherit eternal life? Inherit. So the Bible, as you know, is a, is, consists of two testaments, Old and New Testament. And as you know, a testament is promising an inheritance. When somebody died, it tells what the inheritance will be and who will have the inheritance. So what is this book all about? It is about the question, who will have the inheritance of eternal life? So if we feel religious stress and because of this think, I, I do God away of my life, I don't want to think about the, even think about the existence of a God who could judge me, be aware that there is a creator God who made us. We are not, not only a body, we are created with a soul made for eternity. And one day, all of us, each one of us, will stand before the throne of God and before his son, the king, the judge. And he will judge according to his word. So the wicked who rebelled against God, who hate God, they will hear that they will die, not only with their body, but that they will enter eternal death, which does not simply mean annihilation. No, it means eternal misery. Always be separated from the God who has been so good to you, but you did not be good and obedient to him. On the other hand, there will be those who will hear you are the one who inherit eternal life. Which means, not only will your soul exist forever in joy and glory, but you will get a, a new raised body, and forever and ever you will dwell on the new earth, under the new heavens, in joy. No disease, no tears, no pain, no wickedness, but joy and light and peace and glory forever. So the question of this lawyer deserves our utmost attention. Very 
important question. What must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? By the way, though the question is very good, to me it seems not that the man is bothering so much about it. It seems not that he is worried that he won't have it. He assumes he has it. It's, he's a bit like that rich young man we see later on. What should I do to inherit eternal life? He thinks, I know it, I do it, so what's wrong with me? He's rather wanting Jesus to tell something about it, and as I said, he wants Jesus to make some mistakes so that they can get rid of him. Now, we know the lawyer, his purposes and his question. Now, how does Jesus answer this very important question? Also, for us, pay attention to this question. For if you miss eternal life, you may graduate for your studies. You may have a wonderful relationship. You may get a paradise on earth. But what if you have it for 70 or 80 years and you miss eternal life? Then you missed it all. So pay attention to this question and to Jesus' answer. Now pay attention, how does Jesus answer this question? He answers it with a question. So he pushes the question back. What is written in the law, says Jesus? How do you read it? So he says, you are the lawyer. Uh, you, you assume you know it's so good, so you may answer the question. And why does Jesus do this? Well, there are two purposes. First purpose is that we all for an answer to the question, who will get eternal life? Do not ask, well, I think, or he thinks, or they think. It's not about your or mine opinion. To know who will get it, you should read the Testament, the Word of God. That has authority. There you can find who will inherit eternal life. That's the first purpose. Go to the Word. But there is another purpose, of course, Jesus asks him, now, what does the Bible say? And immediately, of course, the lawyer replies, well, quote, Deuteronomy, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Quote, Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. He gives an excellent summary of, of the whole Bible. Who is the one who will inherit eternal life? The one who loves God wholeheartedly and the one who loves his neighbor as himself. Now, second purpose of Jesus is to unmask this lawyer. Why do you come to me? Why do you ask this, these questions? What's your aim in asking these questions if you know the answer? Are your aims good? Are your intentions good? In what kind of way are you approaching me? So in this way, the man is a bit unmasked. But immediately he starts to defend himself. Jesus, how could you think that I come to you with wrong intentions? Of course not. He wants to justify himself. We read in verse, um, uh, verse 29, desiring to justify himself, he asks a next question. Of course, there is a point. There is a real question, Jesus. No, 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 don't assume that I came to you with wrong intentions. Of course not. I have a real question. Then what is the question? Who is my neighbor? Now, this lawyer has his thoughts about that. It's his daily work to tell people 
to, to make it practical. So we have to love our neighbor, but you can't love everyone, can you? You can't be a friend of everyone. That's not doable. So how many billions of people are there? And besides of that, it's not only about how many people there are, it's also about how long should you go on? So somebody might treat you in a bad way. Somebody might be your enemy. Should you still continue to, 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 to show loving kindness? So, so please, Jesus, tell us a bit more about when uh, can we remove people from our checklist so that the commandment of God is doable for God won't ask us things that are not doable, will he? That's the question of the lawyer. Good question, by the way. I think we are interested to learn more about it as well. And then Jesus again asks a question. He introduces that question with the story about the Good Samaritan. But we've paid some more attention to, well, how it began. For if we don't do that, if we just look at the story of the Good Samaritan, we say, well, inspiring story, let's do our best to be a good neighbor. But that's not, again, the point, I believe. Jesus tells a story that ends with a question. So keep in mind that the main topic of the whole passage is not Love your neighbor. The main topic, as I, as I said, is who will inherit eternal life? That's the topic, eternal life. And that's about loving God and loving the neighbor. A person who is doing that will inherit it. Then the lawyer asks, make it practical. What does that look like? And then Jesus turns the question around. So he doesn't say, well, check, 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 if you did this or that or that, then you can be fine and otherwise you can not be fine. No, he asks the lawyer, imagine you are that man lying beside the road. So you are the victim. If you are the victim, you are able to judge and to discern who really was a neighbor from within, who, who, who really had that character of being a kind neighbor. Now, he invites the lawyer, you are well known with the law, so you may tell us who, who was the neighbor. And then we can look at that story of the Good Samaritan. Who was the neighbor? Well, which of the three? Uh, the first persons mentioned are the robbers. Now, obvious, they won't inherit eternal life when they beat someone, take his clothes from him want to kill him. Robbers won't inherit eternal life. Pay attention how Jesus will speak about lawyers when you read further in the Gospel of Luke. You have made this temple a den of robbers. You want to kill me. So see, perhaps here in the story there is already a warning. Which of the three proved to be a neighbor? First we see that priest. That priest. He was very familiar with the word of God. He knew it. And where is he going, by the way? 
can he say, well, oh, I'm so sorry for you, but I have to go to the temple. Uh, a thousand people are waiting for me. I should bring sacrifices. I should give the blessing. So, so I assume some believers will come. They will help you, but I must hurry. No. The Bible mentions that he is descending He's coming from Jerusalem. He's going to Jericho, the the city where the priests and the Levites lived. So his work is done. So he can't use this excuse. Now, what other excuses may he have had not to help? It was dangerous or, well, we all know the kind of excuses that we sometimes have. But at least he did not prove to be the neighbor of this victim. Neither the Levite, so to say, the deacon or the elder, they passed away on the other side. Who was the one who had compassion and showed far-going kindness? It was the, well, the man doesn't even want to pronounce the word Samaritan. As I told you last week, Jews and Samaritans hated one another. So they could mock one another by saying, you are a Samaritan. In, in John's gospel, we read that they say to Jesus, didn't we say you are a Samaritan? And that was not kind. Now, Jesus, and, and keep in mind last week's passage, where John and James were very angry with these Samaritans, and, and Jesus said, wait, wait, it's not a time for judgment, it's the time for grace. I also want the Samaritans to know about grace. Here, Jesus introduces a Samaritan as the kind of person who really is what the law requires. He is a neighbor. He shows far-going kindness and love to this victim. He not only feelings, but he makes it practical. He helps him, brings him in the inn, and so on. So the answer is clear. The question is, what does what does It looked like to be the neighbor as the law describes it. Well, it looks like showing far-going practical kindness towards, well, even towards enemies. This brings us to the third point of my sermon. Then what is the aim of Dr. Luke, of the Holy Spirit? What is the aim of Jesus? What is the aim of God for us and for the lawyer to hear this all? Is this story an encouragement that, well, we should be aware, many times we were like that priest, like that Levite. Um, So we should be aware we did not really good enough. Sometimes we did or we tried, but next week is coming. Let's pray that with the help of God, we may do better. To be honest... My first sermon was a bit like that. Of course, I would mention the gospel. I would say, remember, God loves us. Jesus died for us. See what a kindness. So let's try to be kind. But is that the purpose of God with this passage? Is that the purpose of Jesus with telling this story? Isn't it rather that this lawyer who did not want to be saved by grace, who did not want to join those who said, I have sinned. I need God's mercy, God's grace, God's forgiveness. I didn't make it. I will not make it. 
if he doesn't save me and forgive me and renew me, I'm lost. But this man, of course, I need some help, but I can make it, he thinks. I know the law. I practice it. He lowered the bar that it would be doable. And now Jesus tells him this story, or better, asks him this question, why? To give him some encouragement? No, not at all. To unmask him. To tell him, if you want to walk your way on the path of the law, if you think you don't need grace, you don't need to be saved by a saviour, If you think you can do it, okay, go ahead, do as the Samaritan. Good luck. If you want the law to save you, well, let me be honest to you, you are not what you think you are. Here is a picture of who you are and go ahead. Now, what is the point for us here? So... If the children come home, or maybe you don't have a child, but if you should answer that question, how do you grow in kindness? Then isn't God telling us today, there is one way to be saved. It is by asking God for his mercy, his forgiveness, by admitting I am not the one I should be. I need your forgiveness. And there is good news. There is a savior. He is in front of that lawyer, the savior. He will be beaten, stripped of his clothes. He will hang on the cross and die. Why? He did what we should have done. He was that good Samaritan. God, our Father, and Jesus We're moved by mercy over sinners and he offers us grace. How do we receive that grace? By doing our best? By improving ourselves? No, not at all. It's a free gift. You receive it by faith through grace alone. It's a present for you. If you admit, if you join the company of sinners, you may know you are forgiven. He died for you. He rose for you. And God will count you just on behalf of him because of what he did for you. Now, if you don't want to join that, if you want to do it yourself, then good luck. But be aware, there is a lot more stress for you. So the question to us is, which way do you choose? The lawyer is not only outside of us, often it pops up inside. It says, you're not good enough. You should do more. You should have religious stress. And how should we reply to that? We should remind ourselves of the gospel. He saved me. He did it. He does it. He will do it. I don't need to add anything. And pay attention. Those who see this kindness of God that he was willing to forgive us and send his son for us and be patient with us and merciful to us. Those who get to know this loving kindness receive newness of life. They become kind, not by doing their utmost best, but they receive this newness of life that was in Jesus in themselves. 
So may the Lord grant us his grace that when the law pops up, or the lawyer, that we are not tempted to go that pathway of the law with all the stress, but that we will rely on Jesus alone. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.